You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Joseph Remnant. Uh, his latest book is a collaboration with Harvey Picar called Cleveland, um, a book about Harvey's hometown um, of Cleveland, kind of a, a history of a town. Well, uh, I guess most Harvey's books are about him. This is about everything around him. I guess as well as the series Blind Spot, of which there are two issues out, and I guess the yeah. Also, stuff for uh, you did a strip in Arthur Magazine many years ago. Uh, how long ago was that? That was a while ago. Yeah, I want to say that was. Oh man, I don't even know. Two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine. It's been a while. The Arthur folded. Yeah. Like, right after I did that. Oh, good going. I just snuck that in, like, right before they folded. <laughs> Did you know they were folding, or was it just... Uh... Well, it was kind of... Jay Babcock, the guy that was running it, I know, like, he would like threw himself way into debt doing that magazine, and it was always kind of iffy. Like, that issue was delayed by months. Like, it might not have even come out. And then it came out, and they're like, yeah, I think we're going to do another one. I did another comic in the next issue that never saw the light of day. Uh, so... Yeah, I kind of knew, but it was great because that comic or that that magazine reached like seventy five thousand people or something. They printed a ton of those things. It was a free magazine, right? It's a free magazine nationwide. Maybe did they have it in Canada too? No, I don't know. Okay, I but. got it. Um, I think I ordered a bunch of stuff from Boyaventura, and they threw it in with what I'd ordered. Yeah, that was like the first thing that I had ever had printed, really, and a ton of people saw it. And because of the subject matter being all about underground comics, like all these—not all, a lot—but some underground cartoonists actually contacted me after that, and that's actually what led to me working with Harvey in the first place. Was that comic? Now I have that comic somewhere. I actually ripped out the pages, but I don't know where it is. And I haven't read it since 2008. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either, probably. <laughs> but I remember it really striking me, and I even emailed you about it. Like, this is great. Um, had you always been had had undergrounds been kind of your thing that really got you into comics? Yeah, it was really my complete entrance into comics because, I mean, maybe like when I was in like fourth grade, I read a few Spider-Man comics or something. But beyond that. I was in art school studying to be a painter and I saw the Crumb movie like my second year of art school or something and it had this like really profound effect on my psyche when I saw that movie and I, you know it almost immediately started I didn't start doing comics right away but I started like drawing with rapidographs and things like that immediately and then slowly started trying to do comics and it was really slow like after after I discovered Crumb, I like tried to dig through stuff to find other good stuff, and because I'm more, my mind's more geared towards art as opposed to story. I think, mm -hmm. like there wasn't a lot of stuff that I liked right away. Like it, it took me a long time to like like people like Chris Ware, stuff like that. Now I mean now I love that stuff, but it was really like this drawing. It's like the sketchbook drawings that Crumb did that like really grabbed me. And so that's, you know, for years I was just into like that kind of stuff. 
and slowly I got into all the other you know stuff from the 80s and 90s and now I'd say that stuff I'm more into than anything else which the, that, was, that was my big you know entrance into it you're more into the undergrounds or the 80s and 90s stuff I mean I think now I'm more influenced by the stuff from the 80s and 90s okay. but Chrome was the initial thing that got me into comics for sure um did you get in did you check out more underground stuff was there any other ones or was it pretty like Frank Stack or well I mean I got all these books like you know the Rebel Visions book was actually what I was writing about in that comic strip mm -hmm. and there was a lot of interesting stuff in there but you couldn't find it anymore and I was living in Ohio at the time and you really couldn't find it in Ohio and so like there's people like Jay Lynch who I like liked their style and I like I do like like Kim Deitch a lot, but beyond that, like um, Kim Deitch, that's the stuff from the underground that I really like, and I can still, you know, I can still read that stuff. But a lot of it, I think, was more interesting for the art and like the boundaries that we were breaking at the time. Just like, just the idea of an underground comic was so cool to me at the time because I didn't even know that existed until I saw that movie. So what kind of uh, 80s, 90s stuff was really resonating with you? Is it like the Klaus and the Hernandez? Or? Um, yeah, it's the stuff that everybody mentions. You know, Klaus is the biggest one for me, probably. Um, and then Chester Brown is a really big one for me. Seth, Joe Matt, I like all those guys. Uh, those are probably the biggest ones. The Hernandez brothers I'm just now kind of getting into. It took me a while. I don't know. Something about the minimum, like that minimum, more minimal style. I'm just now starting to appreciate more. Mm -hmm. Well, it can it can take folks a while to really like sink into the into the bros, but once you get into it, it kind of yeah. I still don't really know where to jump in. Like I got that book, the uh, Art of Jaime Hernandez, that they put out. Yeah. And to kind of like ease myself into it, because everyone I know who's in the comics is all about the Hernandez brothers. And I always liked the drawings that Jaime did in particular.
So what made you decide you wanted to print your own comics with um, Blindspot? Gee, um, I don't know. I guess that I was just influenced by, probably more than anything else, I was influenced by Daniel Cloud's 8-Ball. Like that collection that Fantagraphics put out of all the short stories, the 20th first century 8-Ball, mm -hmm. or 20th century, whatever. That was a huge influence on me and was really what got me excited about the idea of writing comics and not just being somebody who draws because like way more so than any of the underground people that was like, like I felt like like Dan Klaus just like some wise ass guy that I could be friends with or something and especially if he was writing about like art school and thing and you know making fun of art and I very much had like the art school confidential experience in art school kind of mm -hmm. so there's that entrance and and I wanted just wanted to the idea of putting out a comic book was just really appealing the fact that it's the one man anthology where it's completely your own thing uh, it's not like making a movie where you have to deal with a bunch of other people. I'm not a very good collaborator in any way. Whenever I try to work code people, I just get really controlling, and it doesn't work <laughs> out very well. So it's kind of the perfect perfectionist medium. Which is funny. If you're an artist, and you want to tell stories. <laughs> it, it's because your latest book, I mean, your biggest piece of work, is a collaboration. Yeah, and it's... I mean, the thing about that is I didn't even really want to do it when I first got offered to do it, but I I figured the pros outweighed the cons of not doing it. And, well, you know, I'm happy I did it, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. What were some of your apprehensions? Well, that it would put me off of my own work for so long, and it really did, because even before that book, I was working with Harvey on short strips on something called the PCAR project. Mm -hmm. And that and during that time I had almost had to stop working on my own stuff. But Harvey was really liking the work I was doing with him and then when he asked me to do the book, it was like, well this is gonna be at least a year and I'm being closer to a year and a half of work. But I really just didn't have time to do any of my own comics. But at the same time I have more you know, more people know who I am if I just I'm assuming if I just kept doing my own thing. And at the same time, my drawing, like when I look back at the drawing I was doing before I did that book, I, I can't even look at it. It's horrible, so. So you kind of... <laughs> at least I got that out of it, yeah. You kind of work through art-like stylistically. Yeah, I work through all the kinks in my work. I said not all of them, but a lot of it. Now, did you know that Harvey was ill when you were working on the book? He no, not really. He uh, when I he seemed really tired when I was talking to him. Like he didn't seem like he was like occasionally I would talk to him and he would be like his energetic self that you knew from like the movie and things, but then there was other times where he just didn't sound too great. And uh but I didn't know I didn't know at all that he was 
on the verge of dying or anything like that. So it was pretty. It was a shock when he when he passed away. How did that kind of affect how you were approaching the book? Like, did you ha- how much did you have done up to that point? I had about twenty pages done, and he had seen those twenty pages. Mm-hmm. I'd had probably a little more than that done, but he had seen twenty of them. And so when he died, you know, it was you know it took it was hard to just work on it for a while because it was just weird knowing that he'd just passed away, and here I am drawing this guy over and over again and the words he's saying. So I just kind of had to stop for like a couple weeks and kind of let it, you know, sit with me for a while. And, you know, at that point there was just, like I really kind of doubled down my energy into because whatever the book was going to be, it was going to be more of like a statement now as like this posthumous work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about already about his kind of a grand statement like Harvey P. Carr's Cleveland and that being a posthumous work people would be looking at it more seriously I thought so I really wanted to make it something special as much as I could with my abilities and I did you know with my ability at the time I did the absolute best I could on that book it worked really hard just rendering everything right and when I was done with it I went back and redrew a ton of stuff that I wasn't happy with so it was really just about there being more of a pressure to make something special of it. Did you have a lot of, like, as far as, like, what you were working with, um, were you getting revisions from what you'd been giving him? Um, up to that you point? mean like, on the script, or...? or... On, on, on what you had been drawing. Like, I'm curious, like, how that affects the, the creative process when you're working closely with someone on something, and then you're not anymore. Well, hard to get... Yeah, Harvey had a couple little things after I'd sent it to him originally. Like, I had drawn like baseball glove on the wrong hand of like somebody because he was right-handed instead of left-handed or something like that. So there's little like things like that that Harvey would probably would have chimed in on throughout the process that didn't happen, and he may have even even altered the script as we went along. But uh, other than that, there you know nobody was tinkering with it beyond with the script that I already had been given to from Harvey, that I already gotten from Harvey. Now, how do you place yourself, your own kind of identity in a work like this? Um, other than just, like, stylistically, it's your work, but still, like, it's this other person's story, and as you said, it kind of gets ominous in a way. Yeah. Do, do you find well, there's you... a lot of room. There's a lot of room in the script, because he was very vague on what he wanted to see. The whole thing that I drew Harvey walking through Cleveland through the whole thing, like, none of that was in the script. Um, if, if Harvey was talking directly to the audience, he just said, if we would just write, like, I'm saying this to the audience mm-hmm. or to the reader or whatever. And at some point, I didn't do this initially. Like, I, what, what Harvey saw, I had him in this, like, white room just talking to the reader, you know, like, the way... Crumb often did when he would draw him, mm-hmm. but I some I think I saw somebody else do it this way. Uh, I think Bill Griffith had like a one pager of Harvey walking around Cleveland, and I, know, I realized that was like a better way to do that. I know Ed Piscor kind of did something similar, 
where he had yeah. Harvey walking around like the script was just standing there and he's like having him do the dishes and uh-huh. <laughs> do all sorts of other stuff yeah. while So talking. it just made it much more of a visually interesting thing to do. And also you can kind of, I was able to play with the pacing of things. Uh, you know, occasionally they break up panels and, you know, like towards the end of the, when he's going on that little rant at the end of the book, like it starts snowing, like that was my idea to kind of like do that to keep it more of a, a little more dramatic towards the end as it built up towards the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So there's little ways I could put myself into it throughout the whole thing. You know, it could have been a drastically different book if somebody else had illustrated it, I think. I think that's kind of the point, too, where when you're picking a collaborator, you kind of want the person that can do that book, or you would like how they would do that book. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people treated, when they were doing stuff with Harvey, it was like, well, yeah, this is just another job that I'm going to knock out Yeah. for a few hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I try to treat it as it was my own work, as important as my own work, as it was my own art, you know? Yeah. And hopefully that comes through. Did you spend all the time there? Uh, I visited Harvey in Cleveland before I started working on the book, and spent a little bit of time there. But I didn't like take pictures while I was there or anything. I was just kind of hung out there and got kind of a feel for the city while I was there. Mm-hmm. And being from Dayton, Ohio. A lot of what I was drawing from was my own experience living in Ohio and the types of people that I remembered seeing when I was growing up there. I live in Los Angeles now, which is a completely different thing. Kind of having that perspective of what it's like in Los Angeles 
it's kind of easier to see, okay, well, this is like an Ohio <laughs> vibe or whatever. So it's kind of just drawing on what I thought about Ohio and those old Rust Belt cities. So I didn't directly like take photographs of what I was drawing, but I mean, I did use, whenever there was a specific building in the background or something, I would use photographs. But other than that, I felt like I had a good feel of what I wanted the book to feel like, and I drew more on that personally for myself than anything else, probably. Like you're trying to capture the flavors of what it would be like there. Yeah. It's like a cold day in Ohio when all the leaves are off the tree. Usually seem cloudy to me. People that are walking around in the background are, you know... <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody, but <laughs> if you if you look at the book, you know, if you look at the people walking around in the background. It was it was memories of oh, East Dayton, Ohio, and the winter. How uh, how quick did you want to get out of Ohio when you were young? Well, I was really confused about what I wanted to do after I graduated from college, and I would stay there for a while. And my wife got a job in Los Angeles. It was just my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, Los Angeles sounds good to me, you know. <laughs> I mean, it took me a while. Like, she was here for a while before I did because I was, like, terrified of leaving the nest in a way. Being like, oh, I'll never be able to afford living in Los Angeles or, you know, the fears that everybody has about moving away from what's comfortable. Yeah. But, I, but I'm glad that I did it. I like it here. And there's a lot more excitement in a way. I love Ohio too though. There's great things about Ohio. And there's a lot of like charm to the cities as well. It's different. It's just different, you know. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Ohio. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just different. But I'm happy to be here now. <laughs> I'm happy to be in LA. Now your series uh, Blind Spot, you have two issues so far. Uh, the second one, was this done after you had done Cleveland? Or why? Yeah, I did it in like the like three or four months after I had finished Cleveland. So there was a huge gap between one and two because that whole time I was working just doing Harvey stuff mm -hmm. and doing odd jobs to make money too. But number two, you feel it's more representational of where you're kind of wanting to go as an artist yeah and I'm already at the point where I don't feel that way anymore but much more so than number one <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot I'm you know that stereotypical guy that has a hard time looking at their own work yeah one of the things you talk about in them is music um, you have the Ace Goddard story um, the, the failed kind of schlep of a rock star and then the other yeah. story about the uh, two young men in a record store. Um, is music a pretty important thing for you? Yeah, definitely. It was when I was in art school. Like I said before, I very much had the art school confidential art school. And Without the that, murder, it wasn't. What's that? Without the murder. Yeah, I'm thinking more of the comic book, but yeah, the movie too. Without the murder, although it wasn't a pretty shitty area of town, so there's probably some murder going on around town too. But I spent a lot of art school just playing music and like recording 
I had this project where I like recorded all this stuff in my basement and played in bands. And so I had that whole thing of and after school I actually toured with a band and was like kind of drawing during that whole time and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like it was really like what do I want to do? I did not know what to pick for several years between music and art. And art finally won because I, I couldn't stand touring very much. And I like the solitude of sitting in a room drawing. <laughs> but so, so music's a huge thing that I can draw from because I've hung out in the music world and stupid clubs and stupid musicians and good musicians and all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff to mine within that world. So what are you looking for in a record store when you go shopping? In a record store, well, nowadays it's almost non-existent. But Amoeba in in LA is probably the best record store I've ever seen. It just has everything, mm -hmm. you know, anything anything you'd want. It's at Amoeba. It's giant. I represented it in Blind Spot Number One. That was uh, Amoeba Records. So just a wide variety. They have. And they have, you know, bands come through and do like little shows, like acoustic shows before their big show in town, like stuff where there's like a community built into it, you know? Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, which it's sad because it's all disappearing before our eyes. Yeah. I've been I've been uh, CD shopping, which has been interesting. People yeah. mock me for buying CDs, like I don't care. <laughs> I yeah. like and then, it. Yeah. I'm, I buy CDs occasionally too, but I'm I am part of the problem now where I'm pay ten bucks a month for Spotify and so you know I can't complain about it too much because I'm part of the problem. My brothers are still they're in a band called Southeast Engine that's still touring and everything and they're really good and so they're dealing with all that. Well, touring's but, the uh, only way they make money now. That's yeah, if you're you lucky. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I would last on a tour. It's tough, man. It's like the hardest thing. I can. I guess that at least that's a way. Like for a cartoonist, like I guess you can make a little bit of money, like doing speaking stuff, or maybe people make money doing it. I don't know. I think art speaking makes that just, money. Yeah, art speaking makes money. You can count on making like a couple thousand dollars from a book every five years or something. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess maybe original pages can be a way to make money. I've made a little bit of money off of that, but you can't count on it. Um, now, it's funny, you doing kind of, you know, post-90s uh, White Man Anthologies, and you've connected with uh, Noah Van Skyver. Uh, and tell me about kind of what you guys are planning on working to get on together. Well, Noah and I are starting a website called The Expositor, which is his idea initially. We were kind of, I think I originally contacted Noah. I saw his work early on, like he just done two or three issues at Blammo. And I saw this strip he did interviewing Joe Matt, because Joe Matt lives in my neighborhood and we'll hang out occasionally. And I was like, what is this? This is kind of weird. And then I just ordered his comics offline and had sort of like this instant connection of what he was writing about and things. So I wrote to him, and when he and John Porcelino came through town, I offered to let them stay at my apartment, and we kind of struck up a friendship from there. 
and a sort of mutual admiration for each other's work. So we just thought it would be smart to just combine forces in a way and start a website. We're both working on books, and we're both slowly being dragged into the idea of just putting it all online, like like a lot of people are doing. Mm -hmm. So why not do it together to bring more eyeballs to each other's work? So that's the idea. We're both working on a book. We're both going to serialize it on this website called The Expositor, which is... Uh, if all goes according to plan, it will be going up the same weekend as SPX, so like mid-September. Yeah, the 15th, right? Yeah, I think so. I will not be there. <laughs> you should. Yeah, I know. But I understand. It's expensive. I don't know how people go to like every convention. I... Like, every time I go to one of these things, like I lose like a thousand dollars between like I don't know. I'm not going to complain about it, but. They're really yeah. they're really fun, but I don't I don't know how people do it so much. There's some folks that are very good at merchandising themselves, and uh, oh, and I'm the worst at that. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking. I at mean, I sell comics. Like they, like my comics will sell there, but you know, and make like I'm not even gonna go into this because it's boring. <laughs> so, sorry. Um. So, what's the work that you're gonna be working on? Um, I'm doing this story that I think will be about 120 to 150 pages long, and it's about a guy graduating from art school who has no idea what he's going to do with his life and ends up being forced to work all these really terrible jobs. And that that whole part of it is very much an autobiographical story of my own, but then at the same time it's more of a relationship story, which is all fictional. So, I mean, it's hard for me to to talk about at this point because I'm still kind of working it out. I have a script, but it seems to change a lot every day. So it's basically about a guy that that point of your life after graduating from school and having no idea what you're going to do with your life and all that anxiety and how, like, certain relationships start to fall apart. And, uh, so, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about it at this point. I haven't got, like, a good two-sentence blurb on it yet. <laughs> well, you got a couple of weeks, so your site's launched. I guess, yeah. <laughs> did you do... So you did a lot of crappy jobs kind of before getting to where you're at now? Uh, sort of. Sort of. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's probably true, yeah. Anything excruciating? Um... Ridiculous? I had, you know, occasionally did the occasional, like, telemarketing thing when I really needed money, or, uh, but actually, you know, those, those jobs, you can really do a lot of practice drawing during them, but I still don't recommend it. Now I'm doing, like, some freelance work and painting signs. I don't want to say where I work, but I paint signs and murals as a day job, part-time, three or four days a week. And I kind of like that more, the, uh, Having a day job, so I've talked to other people about this, the difference between having a day job, like a part-time day job, or just chasing freelance work. Mm -hmm. And I like the security of having something. I I would just be way too anxious about it otherwise, I think. I I don't know how people do that. I know, um, well, I have a friend that does kind of something similar in North Vancouver, uh, Jason Turner, and, uh, still does his his mini comics and he's 
probably more prolific than most people I know who make mini comics. Um, and don't forget, Justin Green is a is a sign man. Yeah, have you read Sign Game? I've read some of it. I'm uh, I'm prepping for for a lengthy interview with Mr. Green. So. Oh, nice! I yeah. love that book. <laughs> is it? Does it kind of resonate yeah. for you? Yeah, it does. <laughs> not in the same way because I'm not doing it completely by myself like he is. Yeah. But yeah, all the little like technique stuff that he does, it like. There's this one panel in that book where <laughs> he's like thinking about the dumbest stuff in his head, like when he's out to dinner with his wife. And it's just like, how am I going to get those letters like straight? And like when I'm at this job, and like how am I going to get it to weatherproof it? And then his wife's just like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, you don't want to know. And that's like <laughs> half my life, I feel like, is just being in my head about the dumbest things that no one would ever care about. I love so I just that. Probably look like a... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I, one thing I love about with uh, with Justin is, I mean, it's such a craftsman. Like that's, he's very particular about it, and that's kind of what he's doing artistically. Like, there's a lot of pride yeah. in what he's doing. Yeah, it's a lost art, but uh, I love old signs and things like that. So I kind of enjoy doing it to a certain extent. Do you try to like evoke old, like type, face? Uh, I draw on. I have like all these books from like typefaces from the turn of the century that I'm really drawn to that I always use. Mm -hmm. And uh, started using them in comics a little bit too. Comes in handy. Like in the comics. I would see it in Chris Ware's work too. Like he'll draw on like that early those early uh, typefaces from turn of the century. I guess blind the layout's spot. pretty interesting. The cover to blind spot number one, the the blind spot part that's kind of done in that style. Uh, blind spot two is. Or number two, yeah, sorry, not number yeah. one, not number one. No, not number <laughs> one. Uh, so you're going to be at SPX. Any other conventions or anything? Ape. Uh, no, I won't be at Ape this year. I was there last year, but I have to go to a wedding or something that weekend. I was just. Trying to think. Uh, nothing planned right now, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try to do more starting this year. Like I, I did Ape last year. I'll be doing SPX this year. I won't always do SPX from now on, pretty much, because I feel like that's the one to do, at least in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I just did Mocha recently, which is okay. You should do right, I'd like to do Chicaf. Yeah. Yeah. That's Everyone the, says that's great. So. It's a big show. Well, there's, I, there's nothing in LA really, which is preposterous. I think there's something started up recently. I can't remember what it is. There though. was like LA Zine Fest or something, which I missed this year. Mm -hmm. Which people said was actually good. So hopefully they'll do that again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the one I heard about. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, we'll see. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today, Joseph. Yeah, uh, just a reminder, a reminder to folks, I've been talking to Joseph Remnant. His latest uh, work is a collaboration with Harvey Picar, uh, Cleveland, as well as his um, pseudo-ongoing series, uh, Blind Spots, uh, of which there are two issues so far. 
Thank you so much, Joseph. Yeah, thank you. One, two, one, two, three. One more, please. Take two. One, two, one, two, three. I'm gonna be round my vegetables. I'm gonna chow down my vegetables. I like you most of all. My favorite vegetable. Take a hold of the ground. <laughs> if you brought a big brown bag of them home, I'd jump up and down and hope you'd toss me. Tripped on a cornucopia, stripped a stock green, and I hope you liked me the most of all. My favorite vegetable is right off of my shirt. I tried to kick the ball, but my tanny flew right off. I'm red as a bee, cause I got so flush. 